Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Gordon Strait. Gordon is an ice hockey playing engineer from Canada. He spends his working hours in his digital marketing and software company, specializing in the jewelry industry. He says that he likes to build stuff, can code HTML, invests in property, plays with technology and loves adventure travel. Gordon has lived in Strata for 16 years. Gordon is currently the chairman of three Strata buildings, secretary of two and a Strata representative to the country's largest community title scheme. Gordon's recently launched consultancy can be found at www.strataworks.com.au and that's strata-works.com.au. Today, I am delighted to welcome this incredibly experienced Strata stakeholder, Gordon Strait. Welcome, Gordon. Amanda, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and to share some stories with your listeners. Absolute pleasure to have you, Gordon. Now, for the listeners, Gordon and I were chatting at a Strata event some months ago now, and Gordon had a very interesting view on how Strata owners can add value to their common property within their Strata scheme. And since then, I have been very eager to have Gordon come on the show and share his insights with all of us. And it's taken us a little bit of time to coordinate schedules with with Gordon having so much that demands his attention, as you've all just heard. But we have finally managed to make it here and we are absolutely going to make the most of it. So Gordon, I'm going to start by asking you to tell us why is it so important that strata owners learn how to add value to their buildings? One of the really interesting things that I've learned after being involved with Strata now almost 20 years is that many buildings just do the bare minimum to maintain their buildings. It's something that is required. The Act requires that owners' corporations maintain the buildings. But there's so much more that can be done to improve the building from an aesthetic point of view, an operational point of view, from a cost-saving point of view, that actually improves the quality of the building and the value of the building. I guess I come from it from an investor perspective. I live in Strata, mm. as, as you've mentioned, but I also invest in Strata and other properties. And having a look at what can be done with Strata buildings over and above what the developer has left the committees with and the owners' corporations with is quite significant. Now, if you have a look at the Strata Schemes Management Act, there's really only six words in there that tell you what you need to do. The rest of the act is how to do it and how to implement it and the controls around that. But in the current act, section 62 has six words. It says maintain and repair the common property. Yep. And that, that's all owner corporations need to do. In the new act, it's, um, act, it's section 106. It essentially says the same thing. So that's the bare minimum that owners have to do to their buildings. And as I travel around and I'm looking at property all the time, I'm always in property mode. Yep. Uh, so I'm looking at property regularly and I see buildings that do repair and maintain and that's all. And I see lots of buildings that don't get anywhere close to repairing and maintaining the buildings. Mm. 
And so they're really at a disadvantage in the marketplace. I've spent my life in marketing and sales and development of, of buildings, of businesses and various products. Helped brought a, bring an American franchise system to Australia many years ago, and we opened 70 stores around the country. So that was selling a new idea, a new product into the marketplace that was quite significant. Taught me a lot about how to position products. And if you look at strata, strata buildings, they're really just a product in the marketplace. Mm. A potential tenant has lots of choice. They can look at your building, the one across the road, the one down the street, the one in the next suburb as a place to live. Now, in our current market, the market's very hot, vacancies are very low. Finding a place to live is a real challenge, and I understand that, but that's part of a, a cycle of, of tenancy rentals. Mm. The market will change, and it will become then difficult to find tenants, or more difficult than it is at the moment. So a tenant has the choice of where they live based on the amenity of the building and what it looks like and how nice it is or how inexpensive it is or, or not whether it's close to schools and shops and transport, all the things that we look at when we decide on where to live. So they have the choice of buying into your building or another building and having a better looking building, a better maintained building, better facilities, better services, lower cost structure makes it better to become a tenant in your building as opposed to someone else. You've just listed there, Gordon, a, a series of things that owners and buildings can be doing to add value to their building. Can we dig down into those a little bit deeper and share with our listeners how they can focus on those things and, and how they can, in practical way, add value to their buildings? Sure, yes. There's, there's a number of ways, and I'll, I'll break this down into perhaps four broad groups of, of activities, things that are simpler to do that improve the presentation and the appearance of a building, there's some easy upgrades, there's some bigger projects, and then there's some serious major projects that buildings can undertake. So I might just use some of my notes here to just to list some of those. Yeah, go for it. Because there's lots of, lots of possibilities. The simplest thing is just to, an appearance and presentation of the building. So the building needs to be spotless, so good cleaning. Little things like fixing dents in the walls. Mm. There shouldn't be dents in the walls. Repaint common areas. Over time, they get scuffed and marked. Keep those nice and fresh. Make sure that your infrastructure works. Every building has a, a variety of infrastructure behind the scenes that keeps it functioning. That just needs to work. That's just a given. Mm. Things like squeaky hinges. Oil the hinges in squeaky doors. If <laughs> things are squeaky, then fix them because all of those detract from the, the presentation of the building. It's simple stuff, but important, isn't it? It is, is. Keep the weeds out of the garden. <laughs> if I'm coming to look at your building and your garden looks pretty ordinary, then it's a detracting feature. So building. true. Make sure the front door looks fabulous. That might be a coat of paint. It might be because front doors get damaged over time. So mm. fix those sort of things. Some of the easy upgrades is to change some of the lighting in the building, lighting in foyers and lighting outside the building. Mm. Make sure that all the bulbs work, mm. not some of them. And that's a real area I find for buildings to save money these days, for yes. looking at their lighting, whether the lights are working properly, do we want to use LED lights? And there's considerable amounts of money to save on your electricity bills just by having that audited and having someone who knows what they're talking about coming in and giving you some suggestions. Not only do you look better, but you're going to save some money too. Yes, absolutely. Energy savings in buildings is a huge area. I, I won't go into a lot of detail yeah. now, but there's lots on the, on the web in various forms to help building with that. Certainly, energy efficiency, energy reduction, 
is a really big part of adding value to a building because that's an immediate bottom line savings. Mm. And that adds to the value for certainly investors and owners to keep their costs down. Mm. Some of the other things is introduce recycling in the building. There's there's opportunities to add recycling capabilities. Mm. Night lights in the garden. Make your garden make a real statement. Mm. Some of the bigger projects, and again, this depends on the building and the size of the building, but add an art collection. Oh, I love that. One of our buildings, we've now got about 60 paintings hanging on the wall. So it's transformed the feel of of long corridors in apartments. Yeah, it would. We're about halfway through that project. So I think we'll have about 150 paintings by the time we're finished. Beautiful. It just makes the building so much more interesting internally. Interestingly, we had to move one of the paintings recently and someone complained to the building manager that they'd taken my painting. <laughs> so so the big, a sense of ownership has, has resulted from having the art, art there. Yeah. Add bicycle storage. Many buildings, many developers have typically not left lots of spare space in buildings. So finding space for other things is a real challenge. I know that. Mm. But where you can, perhaps add some bicycle storage if that's important to the demographic that live in your building and where you're located. Another really interesting aspect is moving mailboxes inside the building. Mm. Mail theft and mail fraud are just an enormous problem. Yes. I'm part of a working group outside that is looking at how to improve mail security Mm. in this state. And there's a big announcement coming out in the next few weeks about that. So move the mailboxes inside so that there isn't the ability for people to steal mail. Developers typically leave mailboxes outside with Mm. common keys so that Mm. it's very easy for someone to break in. Yep. Very easy to get the key to open all the mailboxes and people are just sitting ducks in a sense. Mm. So if possible, move them inside. We've done that in a couple of buildings. Australia Post has been very, very cooperative and helpful in that process. Hmm. I've been quite surprised. Yeah. And uh, it just makes the building that much easier for for mail. It also eliminates all the junk mail and all the junk mail that people just leave outside their mailbox at the front door. Yes. So improved security, improved appearance, and we got rid of all the the mess at the front door. Mm. I can really see here, Gordon, the distinction between what you were talking about earlier with repairs and maintenance and our statutory obligations to deal with those things and actually improving our buildings, adding value, improving appearance, aesthetics, our experience of living in our building. It's a different way of looking at how we live in our buildings. We can get so caught up in repair and maintenance and we're just not talking about these things. I'm sitting here saying, yes, wow, that sounds great. Let's do that. Very rarely do I sit and talk to strata owners about these things. I'm talking about their building defects and having to having to upgrade so that we can cater for different types of use and the reactive, more the reactive rather than the proactive. So I really love these proactive ideas. Yes. The reactive is is important. The repair and maintain is vital. Yes. But the other just gives this opportunity to make buildings better, make Mm. them more livable, more enjoyable, make them more desirable, make them the building of choice in the suburb, if you like. Mm. And so, and some, some as we're talking about really quite simple, quite basic. Yep. They can extend to very, very significant things as well. I know buildings, rooftops now of buildings are, are becoming quite a thing. Yes both residentially but also commercially you know rooftop bars and restaurants are popping up all over the place that rooftop space has now become a really significant value add in buildings mm. i know no apartment buildings who have taken advantage of that converted the top of their building to use for residents right and it's had a huge impact yes yep. there's some serious costs it means extending lifts and 
safety rails around the edge of the perimeter of the building and protecting the surface of the roof, all those sort of things. Mm. I know one building spent almost $4 million doing this. But what it has done is just transformed the building. Yes. The views are to die for. Mm. And they even have taken the step of then selling tickets to the rooftop for New Year's Eve. Oh, fantastic. So lots of lots of value add. And I've been up there a couple of times and it's just amazing. Yeah. And I think what buildings who are involved in that kind of project bear in mind, of course, is that where they are subdividing their common property and creating new lots, then those lots are going to be sold. And obviously, that's where you're raising the money to do this kind of work. Yes. And often coming out ahead. Yes, certainly. Certainly. Mm. And a lot of these projects do involve money. And money comes back to owners' willingness to invest mm. in their building. I think everybody thinks of stra- of levies as just a cost. But mm. Yes, it's a cost to maintain, but then money's put into development of new facilities and new capabilities are an investment in the value of the building. Mm. Some of the things that add value are very quantifiable. Energy savings. You put in energy mm. saving lights in, in fire stairs and car parks. You can measure the cost. You can measure the savings and determine payback periods. Mm. Lots of these projects that I'm talking about are not quite so quantifiable. Adding a rooftop facility to your building costs you three or four million dollars. Who knows what it really adds to the value except down the track when build, the apartments start to be resold mm. in relation to what's happening in the marketplace. So sometimes it's not easy to quantify. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just convenient. Sometimes there's direct savings in, in the maintenance aspect of the building. We've installed building management systems in buildings that allow us to identify equipment usage. Mm-hmm. And on some of those projects, we're then saying instead of the well-understood quarterly service, we find that we only need six-monthly service because the equipment isn't being used as much as everybody thinks it is. Mm. And so we've cut out half the service cost. Great. So some of those things are very quantifiable. Others are not. One of the challenges with this is that you need, you're working with a group of people to come up with a common vision mm. to do a common project. And getting buy-in is really, really important. Yep. And that starts from the very beginning at the idea stage, not at the final design stage. You need to bring people along with you, make sure mm. that they're comfortable with it, they understand the parameters. It might take a couple of years to put some of these projects together. Yep. I've been working on a project in a building. We're now up to 10 years and we're still not quite ready to launch it ah. just because it is big. Yeah. And so those are some of the things that um, are interesting to do in Strata because yeah. it really does change the value of buildings. And as an investor, I'm interested in the bottom line. Yep. I want to get more rent, more value when I sell. Mm. So how do we do that? Is these incremental, small, medium, and large, and huge projects to to mm. add value to the building? Okay. Now we um, we talked a little bit about challenges, Gordon. Are there any other challenges that, in your experience, adding value to buildings, you've noticed owners or committees or even strata managers face when they are involved in a value add project? And what kind of things are we doing to overcome those challenges? The biggest challenge that we've faced is acceptance from owners to spend money to do something. Yep. Strata managers tend to be, as in my experience, a little bit standoff from it yep. until they need to be specifically involved in things like motions and meetings and, and so forth. 
Just on that point, because it's an important one, I agree with you completely. Sometimes owners think that it's their strata manager who is going to come to them and say, hey, you guys should do this. It would be great to have a rooftop. It would be great to do some energy saving in the building. Here's all the ideas. Here's the contractors who can help you. Go ahead. The strata manager is not going to do that generally, in my experience, 90% of the time. They are there for a different reason. So it is you as the owners, you as the committee to push these projects yourselves. And there are people, obviously, like yourself, Gordon, who can help you to do that, but it's not going to be your strata manager who is going to be pushing that. They will then follow your instructions to do what it is you need them to do to help you, but they're not going to be coming to you generally with the idea in the first place. That's very correct. Strata managers are there to manage the the common property and the things that are associated with that and the rest of the building not to improve or to instruct you to do things. Mm. That really does come back to the committee or other interested members in the in the investment community. Mm. They need to fund it. You really need a champion to make this happen. Yep. And you need sometimes longevity to make these things happen. Yes. And strata being that fourth level of government that uh, is talked about quite freely and the ability for committees to change annually, mm. there sometimes is no longevity. Mm. And so the continuity of making big projects carry through to fruition when it does take a long time to develop is, is sometimes quite difficult. Mm. One of the buildings I've been chairman for 15 years, and so there is this ability to yep. see things through long term. We, in that particular building, it took us 10 years to get the telecommunications towers back off of the developer. Yes. So battles in court and all sorts of things over 10 years and we finally got those contracts back so now the owners benefit from the income from that mm. but where a committee changes annually or every couple of years then the continuity is is a challenge mm. but certainly the biggest the biggest challenge is getting buy-in on owners and that's getting a common consensus on what could be done and what can be done and then working that through led by some champions in the building mm. And to get that buy-in, I suppose what you're doing is showing them what could be, what potential the building has, and if not a necessarily a solely financial incentive, then I would think a lifestyle, a lifestyle improvement. If these are for residents who are living in the building, you want to come home to a place where you can relax, that you can enjoy, that you can entertain people, and that you're proud of. And I suppose that's really a big part of what you're selling when you're sitting down with owners trying to get that buy-in. Yes. An apartment building is my home. Mm. In a, the, quarter, the house on a quarter acre block, you have the ability to manage that totally in terms of what it looks like and how your friends feel when they come. In an apartment building, the front door, the foyer is your front door. And that's, you want your friends to be, you want to be proud that mm. you can show off your home to friends. So that's an important component. You want to be proud that this is where you live and it's a nice place to live and your friends think this is great. Mm. And when that doesn't happen, then it reduces the enjoyment that you have of living in that particular home. It happens to be shared with a whole range of other people on multiple floors, but this is your home. And so viewing it from that perspective mm. to add value to make that really nice is an important thing to do. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we've probably excited many of our listeners here, Gordon. They're sitting back listening to you saying, fabulous. That sounds great. That's what I want to do. I want to live in this place. What are your tips for those listeners who want to get started adding value to their building today? What can they do as a first step, some quick wins that they can get on the board in this domain? Okay. The first obviously is then to identify the opportunity. Yep. 
what is it that we think we can do to add value to the building, large or small? The next is to start the conversation in the building. Mm. And that might, might be with just the people you see in the lift. Hey, have you thought about doing this in the building? We could do this. Mm. Or we have this problem. How do you think we can solve it? I think, here's my idea. How do you think we can solve this? Yep. And then start that conversation. Expand that conversation amongst the residents in the building. Mm. The next stage, sometimes those residents are just will be tenants, not necessarily owners. So you also need to engage the owners in the idea. And it might be an owner's idea to start with, but it also might be a, a tenant's idea to start with. Mm. So you need to engage the owners in that conversation. Start the conversation in a variety of ways. And I've, I've seen buildings do it on Facebook and Twitter and, and notices under the door and yep. notices on, inside the lift, all sorts of things. And then start planning. There's lots of online tools that help you in that planning process. Mm. Green Strata is one for case studies on on how to do things. That's green, um, green Strata? Greenstrata.com.au. Great. The Office of Environment and Heritage website has all sorts of ideas and tips on how to do it. WattBlock has another uh, website. Mm. I think, is that W-A-T-T block? What block? Yep. Block, yes. That's right, yes. And there's another one that doesn't come to mind at the moment that also has a guide on how to step through this process of, of implementing our project. Mm. Right through from starting the conversation, but right then through to what the strata manager gets involved in, in terms of notice on meetings and agenda items and bylaws that might be appropriate, and all the legislative end of some projects. Mm. Some of these projects are just a budget item. Some of them will be, you know, serious legislative requirements that are involved mm. as well, sometimes even planning approvals from council. Then. Yes. Yeah, that's an important one to bear in mind. And that so, often adds time and certainly cost. It does, yes. And, uh, you know, an analysis of the, the financial opportunity and the cost and how it's funded. Funding is another big component of it. So all those things come into the, into the project. But really, it starts with identifying the opportunity, start the conversation. Mm. And, and get a good bunch of people around you who can help you to drive it. I see a lot of committees nominate people then for subcommittees who then work on these projects and are committed to them for a period of time. You definitely need that team to get these kinds of projects moving. Yes, yes. And subcommittees can be formed ad hoc mm. by the, the executive committee just as you need to. And it doesn't have to be people on the the executive committee, or as we now have to be calling it very shortly, the strata committee. That's it, yes. In November, it could be owners that are not on the committee. It could even be residents. It can even be people outside the building. Mm. So subcommittees can be just a collection of people who, who want to make something happen. Mm. And I've formed those for a variety of different purposes, designs and car park realignments and storage cages and a variety of things. Yep, fabulous. So subcommittees are a great idea. Yep. Okay, Gordon. Here's the book question for you. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? I've had the pleasure of listening to some of the other podcasts and there's <laughs> always this question about books at the end. So I'm, <laughs> I'm well prepared. <laughs> Excellent. There's three books that I want to mention. Two of them are on health and one of, them, one of them is on strata. Okay. A book that I came in contact with from my sister in Canada called Grain Brain. Right. And this is by Dr. David Perlmutter and the subheading is The Surprising Truth About Wheat carbs and sugar, your brain's silent killers. Oh, gosh. I knew, I knew it would be something scary. <laughs> it is fascinating. It has changed mm. my diet. Oh, wow. Absolutely changed my diet. Things got pushed out of the diet. Things got added. And over two years, I feel better, enormously better as a result of it. Fabulous. So that's one. 
The other is really interesting, and it's uh, has been out now several years, a book called The Brain That Changes Itself. Yes, I have heard of this one. Yep. By Dr. Norman Doidge. Mm. The plasticity of the brain is something that he, in a sense, pioneered, whereas once upon a time, everybody thought the brain was, if it was damaged, that was irreversible. Now there's all sorts of things that are being done and done with people who have damaged brains. An example, a case in point for me, not a damaged brain, but often and I like to have porridge in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And I stir it with my right hand. I'm right-handed, so I stir it with my right hand. Right. In the pot. I'm stirring it, stirring it, stirring it, stirring I decided about 12 months ago that I'm going to stir it with my left hand. Yes. At first, it was really hard. It was really awkward. It just didn't work. 12 months later, I'm not quite as good as my right hand, but almost. Isn't that fascinating? That's just teaching my brain to do something different than my right left hand would not normally do. Yeah. And so now I try and force my body to do things that it wouldn't normally do, different way of, of doing something. Mm. So I've tried to hammer nails with my left hand. Oh, gosh, that, that don't do work. that. That, does, <laughs> that doesn't work. The other is a book that was mentioned by one of your previous invitees. That's the New South Wales Strata and Community Schemes Management and the Law by Alex Ilkin. Yes, I think that was Sean McNamara who uh, mentioned that one. Yeah, another committee member. Yep. (laughs) And I think Alex is going to have to rewrite that or amend it now. I think Alex is going to have to come on the show is what Alex is going to have to do. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Yes. That's a book that is invaluable. I'm not a a lawyer. I'm not certainly not a Strata lawyer, Mm. but he explains the implications of the Strata Schemes Management Act on the whole thing in language that lay people like myself can understand at a committee meeting when something contentious comes up. Mm. And we can refer to that. And I've referred to that several times. In fact, some meetings I've taken it and put it on the desk just to say that we know what we're talking about. Good idea. I like that. Just have it visible there. That's a very lawyer-like move. It's like barristers turning up to court with trolleys and trolleys of folders and, and being very intimidating. I like that. <laughs> oh, so that's why all the trolleys. <laughs> that's what the trolleys are for. There's nothing in the folders. <laughs> <laughs> so those are three books, two that have influenced me personally and one that I found very valuable in the, in the context of the strata world. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing those with us, Gordon. And I'll make sure that we have links to those in the show notes so our listeners can find out where to get their hands on those books too. Now, before we wrap up, Gordon, how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye? I don't think there's anything more I'd like to add, but it's been a delight to share some of my knowledge and experience with you and your listeners. The best place to contact me is at um, strataworks.com.au and that's strata-works.com.au. Great. And we'll make sure that there is a link to your website there in the show notes as well. I'm really excited to be checking out what you're doing there with StratorWorks and that consultancy because I have seen you over the years, how you've added value to the buildings that you've been involved with. And I think it's fantastic that you're now taking that out, sharing the message and sharing your expertise. So good on you. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 